Uh, hey, this is CJ from Jeb Bush for President.com. And who the heck is this Dollar Hyde guy? Dollar Moore. Sorry, did I say Dollar Hyde? The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Thalamore. Welcome, one and all, to the program, episode 680 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined this fine day by the lovely, talented, scholarly Brittany Page. I had a new quarantine experience today. You took a shower? No. no. <laughs> that would be... That would be pretty gross. Yeah. Pretty gross. That would be more my routine than yours. Yeah, I think so. I think that's fair. No, I went to I went to the dentist, which Oh yeah. During quarantine. Yeah, you did. Everything Got that filthy fucking mouth cleaned out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the dentist was only open for emergencies, right? If you had a routine cleaning Before. scheduled before that's the way it was during during quarantine all during this period yeah but not like they're they're in a new opening phase now yes so they've recently opened and they're doing the regular cleaning thing now before it was just emergencies so i went in and i'm wearing the mask and it's just kind of weird because you're in there to have people in and around and intimately familiar with your mouth and you have to remove the mask. It was just kind of strange sitting in the dentist chair with the mask on. It's interesting that when you got back, mm-hmm. I didn't even ask about how it was with the with the COVID and all that. We didn't. We just talked about some of the issues we have with our dentist. <laughs> we we didn't talk about that specifically. So how was that? This is a, it's as new for me as it is for you, audience. Well, it was just odd, and I am very much a rule follower and so <laughs> yes you are i was being very cautious about when to remove the thing and i put it back on as soon as no one was in my mouth and right so anyway the dentist was getting ready to begin and i was like would you like me to remove my mask now and he's like well i can't do what i need to do with it on so yes was he being like a dick or was he being like, funny, clever guy. Yeah, I think he was being like, ha ha, look, we're in weird times. Everything's yeah, great. Okay, just okay. take off the mask, you know? <laughs> uh, so it, it, it was fine. It was just strange. We're going to yeah, have yeah, all yeah. these new experiences. And I've seen all these pictures of restaurants that, that I love that are putting up the plexiglass and changing the, the layout of the restaurants to have the tables further apart. And can, can I, can I talk about something that we both mentioned yesterday? I think I said off, further when I meant farther because pod. I was talking about a distance. Hey, focus on me now. Okay. All this right. is about me and what I'm going to talk Sorry, about. Sorry. Just want to make sure I'm using the correct <laughs> language. Uh, L- Ludo Lefebvre. Oh, Sh- yes. Chef Ludo. Yeah, I love Chef Ludo. Yeah, we lo- we've been to his restaurant in, in, in L.A., <laughs> uh, Petit Tra. Yeah, my favorite thing, I love his YouTube videos because he always talks about sabotage. <laughs> oh, sabotage! Because he, he's been in America for decades and still has an almost 
un under non understandable French accent. They put up uh, captions. Yeah, yeah, on the videos. Yeah. So he has a restaurant, a few restaurants, but Petit Trois is the restaurant in in the what we've been to that we like. Uh huh. Little tiny restaurant. Yeah. And he put on Instagram. <laughs> he put on Instagram how his his methods. To combating, like, the new setup for the restaurant post-reopen. Yeah, yeah. And he just put, like, fucking ferns around. There's just plants, like, up at the bar, shielding customers from the people because the kitchen's right there. Correct. Yeah. I don't think he under... And then in the comments, it's on Instagram, all these idiots are like, oh, that's genius. Very affirming. Yes. Very affirming. It's not genius. Do you think the droplets of the virus can't penetrate the maze that is the fern leaves? Yeah. What the fuck is going on? The point was definitely missed. And I'm not sure that I'm interested in going there. Yeah. If if the ferns are going to be what is protecting me. Not not for a long, long time. Yeah. Listen, I'm still... (laughs) Post-vaccine. I... I'm still weary of a lot of things and I'm being very cautious and it's really tough in Orange County, especially because Republican ding dong people are not wanting to follow the rules. And in fact, we just had uh, an Orange County official resign our health commissioner, the the doctor, the MD, the Orange County chief health officer. She resigned because well, she was receiving death threats and people were like showing up at her house and threatening her. Because of the order to wear masks, Correct. everybody. Yeah. Not because she was going door to door gathering guns. Yeah. She was making people wear masks. Yeah. I remember when I was. Which, you know, reasonably should be punishable by death. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Fuck. I remember when I was a kid living in Idaho. Not a, not as small of a town as you grew up in, Jesse, but still Idaho. A lot of the kids would. Did you have stoplights in your town? I did. Much bigger than my town then. Yeah. And that's no joke. 500, I think, in my graduating class. So. 74. There you go. So there was a lot of talk. Like California was glorified in, in a lot of the kids' eyes, including my own, because my parents were from there and they talked about it as though it was the greatest place on earth. And so I romanticized it. Like as the well. whole state is the magic kingdom. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And streets of gold. It, oh. is, it isn't until you move so here <laughs> that you see That's the, my Mickey Mouse. I get nothing for that. It's very good. This is fucking that, bullshit. That you see the similarities between small town, small rural communities. And, like, white, wealthy areas. They yeah. have the same politics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they really do. Listen, we were just driving... <laughs> it's the strangest thing. ...down to the mailbox through this rich neighborhood, and there down were... Down to the P.O. box. Three houses. Yeah, I think I said that. Three houses with Trump flags on display. Mm-hmm. It, right in a row. Like, three Trump houses right next to one another. I don't know if... One person owns them or... (laughs) So the politics here are very akin to, like, Bakersfield or up in Fresno or Riverside County. A lot of of Nutter Butter Republicans, unabashed, crazy-ass Republicans here. It's just concerning that she resigned. Yeah. It bums me out that 
someone who is advocating for a scientific position was driven out of her position because people can't accept reality yeah on reality's terms and we can't be an outlier here in orange county either i'm sure this is happening all over the country it's it's just it's it's alarming i mean accept it right accept it accept the reality that we're in yeah it's not ideal it sucks it blows also listen if you're a business owner and you you machine parts for boats or yachts or whatever the fuck you do because you're an Orange County bigwig. Why do you trust the scientist? Why do you put your faith in the physician? She's not coming to your work and telling you how to machine the boat parts. Don't go to her job. Certainly don't go to her, go to her house and threaten her life because she's doing her goddamn job. Don't you kind of wonder what it's like to go around like some of these people? <laughs> I'm thankful that I work from home. Well, I no, I'm saying I I just wonder what it's like to feel so entitled and like, you know, be, feel like you're so right about something yeah. when you're so wrong about it. I, I Dunning-Kruger. Like I know crazy. I know that that has been me in the past, so I know what it feels like is not a stretch, but come well, on. Just take solace in the fact you're not there anymore. Yeah, sure. All right, before we get too depressed talking about this, I'm starting to get a headache. Let's talk about listener communication. Let's talk about it. I love it. Do you love it? (laughs) It's great. How about we do more than talk about it? How about we read some? Perfect. Because we are are sans voicemails for this episode. Mm -hmm. Everybody must have forgotten the phone number. Let me drop it just in case. Yeah. 657-464-7609. One more time, maybe you can understand it better if I slow down. 657-464-7609. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. I was wondering if there would be an advantage if the movement had Bernie Sanders help out, as his presidential campaign was based on these types of issues, such as articulating demands and using his platform and political capital, if any left, to make the changes at different government levels a reality. Anyway, just a thought. Cheers, Kimberly. Love you guys. Brittany's the best part. Well, I would say... Love the show. Brittany's the best part. I think I have more questions than I do answers there, because how is he not helping out? Well, also, let's specify. I think that Kimberly is referring to, when she says the movement, I believe she's referring to the push for Black Lives Matter right now, as it is. The push for defunding the police. Is that kind of what you're getting at? I don't know. I don't know. There wasn't enough information. But let's assume that is what it is. I I don't know that Bernie Sanders is sitting on his hands in Vermont right now. He's probably certainly in Vermont quite a bit of the time because of our current health crisis. But uh, he's certainly, you know, in the grassroots and um, on Twitter, as dumb as that sounds, he is doing the organizing. He is doing the motivating. He is directing the resources that he has at, to, to, to bring to bear to the issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, tonight, I guess, or maybe this was last night, was with Cory Booker doing a virtual town hall on yeah. the ongoing fight for racial and economic justice the prob- through his website. The problem, Kimberly, is that you don't see it because CNN and MSNBC and certainly fucking Fox News 
all they're talking about is coronavirus and then now the protests and they're not really talking about these individual pro- um, politicians and they're certainly talking about uh, Senator Sanders less because he's no longer a candidate for president. So he's not on their radar as much. So you're probably not hearing about it. Yeah, here's a solution to that. Twitter. Yeah, Twitter is fucking the worst and the absolute best. Yes. Now, of course, listen, Twitter, you can create your own echo chamber and then be stuck in that. And certainly that's a problem for a lot of people on Twitter. However, one of the benefits is that you can follow people that you care about and want to hear from. So, Kimberly, if you are sitting there wondering what the hell happened to Bernie Sanders, well, you can go follow him on Twitter. And then every day you get to see what he's up to, what he's doing, what he's advocating. Yeah, yeah. And that gives you real-time access to see, well, what is Bernie Sanders doing to contribute? And I think Twitter has been so beneficial for me because, and I, I get this question somewhat often, people will ask me, what are your go to news sources. And I tell people the least biased sources that exist, you know, Reuters, AP, NPR, PBS, and Washington Post and New York Times, right? Places that you can generally trust. But the way that I get my news is I have selected people that I value. Yeah, yeah. Journalists, professors, professors, researchers, scholars, scientists, different people that I trust and respect. And I follow them. And then that not only gives me access to their views, what they care about, but also they're sharing news articles, right? That yeah, they yeah. find, that they read. And, and that helps me expand my worldview. And very rarely are you let down, led astray, like with something that's bullshit. It, yes. it, it happens occasionally because it all it's always people are f- flawed. Right, right. It, but it happens so rarely that uh, it's worth curating your listen if you don't want to live in a in an echo chamber do do what i've done and it's out of necessity because i was blocked by donald trump which by the way didn't refollow him Mm -hmm. still refuse i'm not gonna fucking follow that guy Mm -hmm. but i follow he won't get jesse dolomore's follow that guy (laughs) i I, (laughs) he's i know he's crying about it uh i follow a twitter feed called trump's underscore feed trump's plural underscore feed which is a bot that retweets tweets from people the president follows on twitter so you see everything that the president sees yeah everything that donald trump i'm reading their bio on twitter that's why i'm saying the president and not fucko donald trump i wouldn't go that far in terms of following that account it's not great because it's a lot of donald trump jr i don't want to see kimberly guilfoyle's tweets i don't want to see laura trump i don't I don't want to see any of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't, but that's great. Good for you. Fantastic. Good job, (laughs) Jesse. Wow. I feel shat upon. You are better than No, 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 no. I'm just saying there are ways to to get around the self-curated thing that ends up being an echo chamber. Yeah. I'm not, trust me, it is stressful as fuck for me sometimes. That's why I have to shut it down every once in a while, because I see all this nonsense. Well, I would also be curious from the audience's perspective, what are things like if you're not on Twitter, for example, what do you do? Right. To 
to get the news, to, to get your headlines. Yeah, if you're yeah. if you're interested, for example, what Kimberly is saying, like you're wondering what happened to this person. I want to know what this person is doing, what their views are. How do you go about figuring that out? The, the other way that I do it, that's not a Twitter thing, it's a Facebook thing. And that is I chose, I don't know exactly how I did it, but I favorited. I think you got to go to the profile of each. I, I go to news agencies. So Politico, um, Daily Beast, Axios. Mm-hmm. There are certain... Um, news organizations that I have gone to and, and picked their, their page to show up first in my feed. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'll go a week with really not even scrolling down to see like what my actual Facebook friends are doing mm-hmm. because it's all the news. And then I'm like, oh, okay, fuck, that's enough. And I turn it off. <laughs> so it's a little shitty in that way, but that's another way to really make sure the shit's up in your face. Yeah. Well, if you have input for Kimberly, please 657-464-7609 or I doubt it at dollamore.com. We have another email here and this is from anonymous because there's no name. The past few months have been hard for everyone. We are all on a spectrum of shittiness, confusion, rage, hope, and hopelessness. Sometimes all in the same day. It's like we're on a knife's edge. It could get better. It could get way worse. No one really knows. I have struggled with our current situation as a person, as a community member, as an American. I usually arrive at the conclusion that we are going to arrive at some point that will be different from where we started this year, changed and informed by this period of time in wildly different ways. My only hope for you and everyone I know is that we take this time to do two things. First, check yourself. Learn something and practice empathy. Practice it toward others. Practice it toward yourself. External stimulus tells you the world is uncertain. It's okay to feel shitty about that. Second, listen to the experience and lived realities of people near and abroad. Learn. I have not participated in the recent protests, not because I don't support the cause. Parenthetically, I grew up in Hennepin County. My mother and I talked about how 50 years ago she was warned by her father about them, just as my mother warned me end parenthetical, but because I am on immunosuppressing drugs, it's not safe for me to be out in a crowd. I don't have the financial means to donate a lot, but I do when I can. Instead, I decided to help where I can. I stay in the wheelhouse. I'm a microbiologist. I am volunteering my time to our local health department as a contract tracer. I helped coordinate several testing days. I participated in our local Zoom city council meetings on Zoom, which I dislike, online to advocate for sensible public health strategies for our small town. I feel like any action you take to help is a good thing. Keep the conversation going. All the best. Well, thank you, Anonymous. Mm -hmm. I I think there's a lesson there for that even I can take. Not that that even I can take, but I was (laughs) I don't want to point it at the audience Uh, that I think we can all do a little bit more. We can all get out there in the community, and everybody has a certain skill or ability that they are exceptional at. And they should put that to use to help others, especially in a time like this, when there are so many others in need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, great message, for sure. Yeah, and thank you for also showing that there are many different ways to show up in this moment, and sometimes people look different ways and say, I wish I could be doing that, or I wish I could be doing that. And 
there are different ways for us to contribute. I know. It's going to take more than just putting a black picture on your Instagram. I know several people, for sure. And I know several people sent me some memes because of something I said on the show like three episodes ago. Um, Wait, let- you, you said something on the show? <laughs> Letting, Yeah, I know. It's, it's exciting. <laughs> Letting me know that it's okay to use your strengths and your assets and show up in a way that makes sense for you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like Anonymous said, if you are in a situation where you can't be out protesting, you can't be out in that crowd, you can still donate money. And if you can't do that, there are many other ways, like Anonymous is talking about, absolutely to accomplish that. Yeah, you to be can, a helper. You can still be an advocate, and yes. there's many ways to do that. And I appreciate highlighting that point for sure. Thank yeah. you, Anonymous. Yes. All right. Next email to the show. So again, this is a situation where there's no name in the body of the message. They didn't sign off, which tells me that it should be read anonymously. All right. So I'm just going to use this as a blanket statement to everybody. If you are frustrated that your name did not accompany a message that you have sent, make sure you put your name in the message that you sent. Yes. We are very cautious because there are people who want to protect their privacy because they aren't madmen like us. <laughs> and no they don't want their name associated with the things that they say and broadcast and that's yeah. totally fine we really want to respect that and we do so we're gonna err on the side of caution we're gonna err on the side of caution okay here's here's the anonymous message i wrote this post after a lot of research into local advocates and activists and i thought it might be useful in further conveying these ideas I want to help some people understand what people are actually advocating for when they're talking about defunding or abolishing police. I don't take credit for these ideas. This is only based on what I've been reading for the last few weeks from reliable sources and getting irritated at all the people saying that it won't work before it's ever even happened. These are not just anarchist wet dreams here. The idea is to dismantle the current structure of law enforcement that is rooted and protected by white supremacy. It does not mean an end to laws or law enforcement. It means an end to for-profit prisons, the end of the school-to-prison pipeline. It means putting resources in place to support housing, food, community needs, instead of having homeless people be constantly harassed by police, and every now and then having all their belongings stolen, because it means an end to state-sponsored looting known as civil forfeiture. It's about abolishing the current system and finding a more supportive, empathetic, efficient, and less violent system to better support everyone, not just white people afraid of a black family having a barbecue. An end to one mistake, making you a felon, making it impossible for you to get hired, get housing, vote, or live anywhere by any means, and then putting you right back in prison for even failing to quote-unquote call in. One of the ideas is ending the concept of the police being, quote, social workers with guns. The idea that police are given the responses to so many things that they end up having to be social workers who are armed, as we've seen, they're not trained at or good at that at all. What would this mean in replacement? 
It would mean fire service or EMTs responding to overdoses, an end to the war on drugs that punishes people instead of rehabilitation and support. It would mean mental health workers responding to mental health crises and wellness checks. It would mean advocates and counselors for sexual assault victims. It would mean an end to police stings on sex workers. All of the above. Things that police shouldn't be in charge of handling anyway, considering how little training they have in their primary job, never mind social work. Please stop treating this like it's just some people throwing a fit and replacing it with nothing. There's a reason the Minneapolis City Council is committed to ending this, and it's not because they're whiny anarchists. Because for too long, the system has been designed to target black people, immigrants, and people of color for the sake of giving white people comfort. And because of that, many people who have never had to fear the police the way black people do for being stalked, harassed, sexually assaulted, molested, raped, killed, and otherwise terrorized with little to no responsibility taken or repercussions given. Reforms have been promised for decades, and they have not changed the system. So Minneapolis is looking to change the system. And if you think they haven't been effective at getting this started, consider how many city systems have already ended their ties with Minneapolis police. Read from the advocates and those doing the work before immediately dismissing the idea from its tagline. Let me, uh, I agree with every single thing in there, with the exception of two lines. And I I don't, listen, well, I'm just going to say it. Please stop treating this like it's just some people throwing a fit and replacing it with nothing. I don't know that we've done that. We, we haven't done that. I, I don't know that that's ever been the message at all on this show. Mm-hmm. And then read from the advocates and those doing the work before immediately dismissing the idea from its tagline. Again, I don't know what show you're listening to mm-hmm. if that's the message you're taking away from me screaming and yelling about fucking cops on this show yeah knowing that there are cops and former cops littered throughout the audience that i am invariably pissing off mm-hmm. i almost wonder if well here's two things i think might be at play One, there was a disagreement that we had about reporting in the middle of the show. You had said that the voting took place, that it was confirmed. And I said that there was a headline that said they have the intent. The intent to. Yeah. yeah, Right. And so we disagreed about what the headline was. But I said, well, we're going to keep following. Let's hope they follow through because politicians are politicians and they make all kind of promises. Right. So I don't. I don't know if maybe that was confusing for this person. Also, number two, it seems like maybe this wasn't intended for specifically us. It may have just been written and then kind of like spam sent to several different people to inform them. Hmm. Don't know. Um, There's no way for me to know that. It's an email to the show. Right. I assume it's to us. You know, something that... Something that has been difficult on this show is, and Jesse and I, we've, we've talked about this off pod. <laughs> we've talked wow, about look this. look at you using the lingo. We've talked about it <laughs> on pod. We've had no, many. No, on pod is not a, it's not a saying. I off just, pod. no, I just made it a saying. It's a thing now. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't on pod be a thing if off pod is a thing? Cause when you're talking into the microphone. Yeah. 
It's on pod. Yeah, but you don't. It doesn't need to be said that you're on pod. Okay, it's a lot. Also, so when you're not talking into a microphone, also, it wouldn't need to be said that you're off also, pod. Also, you I, wouldn't be talking into a microphone. Also, I hate both of those sayings, <laughs> and I only use them as a joke. And here you are, viciously attacking me in defense oh, of them. If this is a vicious attack, what? goddamn. What? <laughs> so here's here's what we struggle with: is sometimes we feel the need to repeat. Everything we've ever said on a certain issue, every time we talk about an issue, because inevitably someone's going to listen to the show and say, oh, they forgot to cover this. Well, we we often get messages that say, hey, oh, you forgot to cover this. Which is fair. Sometimes, oh, we did forget to cover that, right? But sometimes we just, we've said it before. It's a point we've made before. And we just didn't cover it that time. Well, you also, know? listen, we look at this show as talking to friends. And if we have to fucking recapitulate every goddamn point we've ever made, every show would be five and then six and then seven and then eight hours long. Right. So it's not, I'm not lecturing everybody. It's just uh, calm it down with the, with the fact check, not with the fact checks that we get something wrong, but it, it, if something doesn't strike you is that we're we're ignoring it but we've covered it in the past and you know our hearts and you know how we deal with an issue eh, give us the benefit of the doubt yeah but i i also appreciate the guidance on talking about this further because we haven't really talked about the move for defund the police so one of the things that kept coming up in that message was the buzzword social work and i don't know if that's intended because i have been on the past two episodes advocating that social work be part of the training for cops. I think even if you defund and you move police away from working in areas that they shouldn't be working in, like mental health, for example, that they still need that training and education in social work. And the reason that I say that is the statistics that we read last time about how uninformed police officers are about history about the impacts of racism about systemic racism social work is even about mental health i mean listen right right if if a gun was effective in the treatment of a mental health disorder if it was effective then in every psychiatric hospital across the country they would be armed with fucking guns but guess what folks they're not because they don't fucking work. And that's why cops should not be in the business of dealing with people, addressing people, mixing it up with people while they're packing heat and have the ability to murder. So, but get, getting back to my point, do you understand Sorry. what I'm trying to yes, say or yes. is it not clear no, still? Yes, because yes. I'm I'm not saying that cops should be social workers with guns. That's of not the intent. Not. I think that... Listen, what John Oliver talked about in Camden, New Jersey, how that that city police department, everybody was removed and then they had to go through a rehiring process and a retraining process. Dissolved the police department and then you had to reapply for your job. I think that's great. And then I think the additional training protocols that should be required involve social work elements because one of the benefits of social work is that you learn about systemic racism you learn about these things you learn about the ways in which history has influenced people today and 
I, I understand we don't want them to be social workers with guns. That's not what they should be. But I'm talking about their education. I'm talking about how they're informed, what their worldview is. When they go out into communities, how do they see the people that they're working with as a community? And do they understand community problems? Poverty is an important part of this. And when people talk about defunding the police, they're talking about funneling money toward social programs so that we have early childhood education funded. We have food stamps. We have resources for housing. All of these things are more yes. stable. That way people are growing up in situations that are more stable that keep them away from crime. Child care, which allows parents to be out in the workforce and children to be taken care of. Right. I mean, it is a holistic approach. That we need to be advocating for. Right. And I think change whatever the cop's role is going to be in that new system, which will primarily be on crime and solving crimes. I still believe it's relevant for them to have yeah. that underlying education. And uh, listen, I've been a long time advocate of cops not responding to mental health situations. I mean, this is what I work in. I started in a nonprofit counseling center where... No one was turned away regardless of what they can pay. I've worked with homeless communities. I've worked in inpatient psych. I've worked in different settings. And I am able to see, especially when I was at the psych hospital, how much of a problem police are. And listen, yeah, yeah. when I would run groups at the psychiatric hospital, I would hear about it. I would hear about how people had been treated by the police. They would talk about it in groups. It wouldn't necessarily be on topic, and they would bring it up. Weren't there moments when cops would try to come into the hospital, and they would be told, you can't bring your gun, bro, and they'd be assholes about it? Yes, that would happen. Yeah. But other countries have been more effective at this. Absolutely. And, and I've, I've been talking about this for years on social media. Places like Sweden that have mental health ambulances, where they send a specific ambulance for mental health crisis to go and get somebody. That way, cops are not even involved in the process. Yeah. There's other models here in the United States. I recently shared an article about this. It's actually in Arizona, if you can believe it. It's called the Arizona model. It's leading the way for crisis care. Arizona is actually uh, turning the corner on us right now. Mm -hmm. They are. Well, and so they have these crisis response centers that are set up and they're to address the first 24 hours of someone's mental health crisis. And more than 80% of the people that come into these centers arrive in a police car. Huh. And what they have done is they have made it easy for cops. They've made it easy for cops to come and bring them to these centers. So they get the word out. They say, listen, if you have someone who is drunk, if you have someone who's angry, if you have someone who's violent, yes, we'll take them and bring me another person. That's what yeah. they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that incentivizes the cop to say, okay, I, I have a place to bring this person. I have a t place to take this person. I don't need to deal with it. Yeah. I don't need to go yeah, yeah. take them to a hospital. And who doesn't want to be fucking lazy? Not my problem, bro. I'm going to pass the buck. And so this has actually been beneficial. I would prefer that someone who's not armed and is trained in how to deal with a mental health crisis is actually the one going to pick up the person, like we talked about, Sweden, sending a mental health ambulance. That would be ideal. And yes, I feel like we need to move toward that. So when we talk about defunding the police, that's what the argument is, that there is too much going into funding police departments, funding prisons, funding 
military spending, right? Everything is about defense. I think the point is that we are moving away. We may be finally at a point where we're moving away from using the, the language of reform and we're using the language of replace. We're going to replace the police and the way we've done things for so long, forever, with something else. I, I do have one criticism, though. And that is the the abolish the police slogan, the defund the police slogan for a movement, listen, as progressives and as liberals that are so so aware of what language we use. We don't call black folks colored anymore. There's even a movement to move, move away from African-American using that term. We, 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 the language we use around the LGBT community is very measured and it's thought about because we want precision in how we use our language. So it's strange to me that you would give this giant fucking bomb, this ammunition to the other side by using such an imprecise term that needs to be justified, that needs to be explained like defund the police, like abolish the police. Like Black Lives Matter is beautiful and perfect. It works perfect and it still is attacked by assholes on the other side. Do you think defund the police is not a good slogan or are you criticizing abolish the police? Uh, a little bit. Well, I'm for sure criticizing abolish the police. Well, here, I think some of the confusion is that some people actually want to abolish the police. Well, that's dumb. That's a dumb point of view. I think there, I, th I think that's true though. I think yeah, that I know that's, there for sure are. Well, I think that's what some of the confusion is, is people are saying, no, no, we don't mean like no police. And then some people are saying, no, no, that's exactly what we mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's ridiculous. That, that is fucking fantasy land. There's not a municipality on, in any country in the, on this entire planet that doesn't have some kind of law enforcement. It just, it's just not the way it's going to work. So replacing is a perfect way to explain it. Hmm. I, I, look, I don't have a better term. So it's replace the police. Uh, yeah, well, replace the system. Mm -hmm. You know, if we got to burn down every precinct where they're murdering black people, fucking get at it. I'm just my criticism is for a movement that is so precise in all the other all the other language that's used. And people are held to that standard. Mm -hmm. eh, why not be a little better about this one? But 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 all that all all that defund the police, quote unquote, stands for and represents. I'm behind it. I'm not criticizing the what's behind it. I'm criticizing the vehicle to get to that because a lot of people that you need to convince, a lot of people that you really do need to convince. You're giving them ammunition to shit on the movement. Anyway. Yeah. I want to read a little bit from Annie Lowry's Atlantic column, Defund the Police, because she put some numbers behind this. So, quote, a thin safety net, an expansive security state. This is the American way. At all levels of government, the country spends roughly double on police, prisons, and courts what it spends on food stamps, welfare, and income supplements. At the federal level, it spends twice as much on the Pentagon as on assistance programs and eight times as much on defense as education. 
The wars in Iraq and Afghanistan will ultimately cost something like $6 trillion, and policing costs $100 billion a year. But proposals to end homelessness... 20 billion a year. Yeah. Create a universal pre-kindergarten program, 26 billion a year. Reduce the racial wealth gap through baby bonds, 60 billion a year. And eliminate poverty among families with children, 70 billion a year. Somehow never get financed. All told, taxpayers spend 31,286 a year on each incarcerated person. 31,286 yeah. a year on each incarcerated person. It's fucking gross. And 12,200 a year on every primary and secondary school student. Yeah. Imagine if those budgets were realized, the budgets that they they desire for ending homelessness and right. all those other those other metrics. Right. Imagine how little work and then let's revert let, 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 Let's phrase it differently. Mm -hmm. Imagine how much of the workload would be taken off police mm -hmm. if, for instance, homelessness, if a massive chunk of the problem of people suffering through homelessness, if they if they were dealt with, if that was if if if, if they were given homes, if if all of their medical problems were dealt with, the cops wouldn't have to deal with that. They wouldn't be bringing their guns to situations. That guns were not needed. Mm -hmm. If we were educating our children and giving them the vehicle to success through job, having a job, they wouldn't be suffering through poverty. And they wouldn't be um, in crime. They wouldn't be in the, in the prison pipeline. There are... There are budget, this is a long-term game as far as funding things. And what we've done for generations, for, for the existence of our country since we've lived in the police state we live in now, we have been reactionary rather than proactive. And it's about fucking time that we change the way we've done things. And thankfully, we might just be there now. You'd think cops would be on board with this. A lot is going to be taken off their plate if this were. Yeah, have the you case. watched the videos of these fucking cops and their their union representatives? We demand respect. You're going to fucking respect us. We're not animals. We're not thugs. It's like you're saying the same thing the black <laughs> activists are that they're not animals. They're not thugs. They de they deserve respect. Turn the fucking mirror around and look in it. You fucking mustachioed freak. But just turn on Jesse's video with a montage of all the bad actors with a badge and a gun, and that's that's all you need. Can we talk about how Cops got canceled? Not uh, Cops the show. Cops the show got wow. canceled. We're getting ready to cancel Cops, Cops huh? have not yet been canceled. <laughs> there is a movement to cancel them. That's what the slogan should be. Cancel Cops. Yeah, cancel Cops. So it was... Going to be on season. Bad boys, bad boys. Exactly. What you gonna do? No, that can stop right there. So what you gonna do the, when they come for the you? The show was going to be on its thirty third season. Ugh, I believe. Fuck you. Was gonna premiere third season. Was gonna premiere on June fifteenth because people are still watching Cops. My parents loved Cops. I fucking hated Cops. I've always hated Cops, even when I was like. Republican, like libertarian, well, it's probably because I was libertarian leaning. Yeah. The fucking hated cops. So tell me why, because I'm interested. 
I think that this write-up that I read contradicts what your view of cops is. So what was it that was so enraging about it for you when you would watch it? They're just, it's the usurpation of people's rights. Mm -hmm. It's, it's illegal search and seizures. Yeah. Illegal searches and seizures. Yes. It's, it's, uh, I'm going to search a chunk. All right. Saying it as though it's an order. A person's just being obsequious. Uh, yes. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes. Thinking they have to comply because they don't fucking know the constitution. Yeah. Even though it is kind of half-assed phrase like a question. Drove me fucking nuts. Yeah. Well, this New York Times article in the reporting where it said it was canceled called it the long-running reality show that glorified police. And I I don't think that it glorified police. (laughs) I don't either. I haven't watched it since the 90s, so I don't know if it changed. In fact, I do think it changed, actually, because I listened to an on-the-media interview now that I'm thinking about it. I think you did, too. And I think the dude found out that they, like, hand-picked municipalities to work yeah, with. I don't know if they were talking about cops or they were talking about that PD Live or whatever new shows out there. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it's some other show, which is terrible. Yeah. Like, they specifically went into Spokane, Washington. Yeah. And just fucking fucked people over, used their face, didn't... It was just yeah. aggressive and terrible. Yeah. Sorry, I was... Exploitative. I was trying to send some fake news over the... Over the pod waves. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> that has to stop. No. <laughs> that is a fucking egregious. So when I said that my parents loved it, by the way, my parents were criminals. And I think they were watching it. Douche chill. I'm, Douche. Not, I'm, I'm not sure why they Douche were watching chill. it. I'm, I'm not sure why they were watching it. But my parents most definitely did not love the police. So just so really? you know. <laughs> it seemed like big fans. No. You know, most white supremacists. They love the. Actually, that might not be. Far well, it's off the why mark. it's why I wanted. Yeah, yes, it's why I wanted to be a cop when I was a kid because I wanted to do something that was the complete opposite of your parents. That would show everyone that I was completely different. Yeah, <laughs> even though that was not having the same effect. But yeah, it's all the fuck we need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is exactly correct. Yeah. So just so everyone knows, we're on board with that. And if we have a, a minor discrepancy in the reporting of a title, it doesn't mean that we're criticizing the movement. It was that we were trying to be very accurate in our reporting. We don't want any fake news going over the pod waves. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> I, I fucking swear to God. <laughs> I just love your face when I say it. You're so disappointed. You're just crushed inside. Yeah, it's not great. You love it. It is not great. All right. Uh, we're at f- past 48 minutes here, so do well, we have any others? Well, yeah. Any I, other voice? I, any other emails? Oh, we don't have any other voicemails or emails. Oh, okay. But I do want to talk about the public opinion shift on Black Lives Matter. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because it has been quite radical. Brittany. Oh, yeah. For sure. Proceed. Go ahead. You have the show's permission. The show's permission? You are on pod with Brittany Page. Okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> so this is... Uh, this is podtacular. You're throwing me off my game. Brittany Page. You're throwing me off my game, sir. So this is data from... Podtacular. Civics. With Brittany Page. C-I-V-I-Q-S. Civics. An online research form firm. <laughs> You're totally throwing me off. Quit <laughs> doing that. Okay. 
So I'm not prepared. Over the last two weeks, support for Black Lives Matter increased by nearly as much as it had over the previous two years, according to data from Civics. Yeah, when you look at this chart, it is goddamn ridiculous how much movement there has been. By a 28-point margin, Civics finds that a majority of American voters support the movement, up from a 17-point margin before the most recent wave of protests began. In two weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. It's unbelievable, especially I mean, when you take into context other issues like issue, the issue of abortion. People haven't really changed their views on abortion in 50 years, according to the yeah. New York Times article. So, no, I was going to say, think about it from the perspective of the the seismic shift, the rapid shift in, in public opinion change on on uh, gay marriage. Mm hmm. Yeah. Holy fuck. That seemed like uh, like light speed that change. And that was probably over the course of year over year. This is two weeks. 25-point differential in two weeks. Right. Fantastic. And that's in the midst of all of the, oh, my God, they're looting. Oh, my God, there's violence. All of this terrible media coverage. People are seeing through that bullshit and witnessing what is really taking place. Thank God for cameras. Thank God for news media because they're highlighting... And they're also being assholes about oh, looting, but also they're showing the police be fucking unhinged maniacs. Yeah, and that has to go toward that that sea change for sure. And listen, if you're out there listening and you're saying, Brittany, <laughs> you're referencing one poll and you're telling us that this big change has occurred. What happened to you? What happened to you? <laughs> What well, happened? there is also a Monmouth University poll, which found that, reading from a New York Times article here, 76% of Americans consider racism and discrimination a big problem. That is up 26 points from 2015. Ah, it's, a, it's a correlation there. The poll found that 57% of voters thought the anger behind the demonstrations was fully justified, while a further 21% called it somewhat justified. Hmm. Polls show that a majority of Americans believe that the police are more likely to use deadly force against African Americans and that there's a lot of discrimination against black Americans in society. Back in 2013, when Black Lives Matter began, a majority of voters disagreed with all of these statements. Yeah. There was also a UCLA Nationscape survey, which found similar things, but we won't go into that. But the point is, guys... Maintain the respect for me because there were other polls that validated this finding. I'm not just telling That's you about the one. the takeaway? Maintain the <laughs> respect for me? What is <laughs> happening right now? No, okay. So <laughs> what explains this, though? News can be one thing, as referenced in this New York Times article, although sometimes public opinion can dissipate. People can feel strongly about something because something is in the news and it's really present. And then after a while, of course. it can fade. Fast food culture. This happens oftentimes with mass shootings. So hopefully this isn't an issue where just because it's in the news, just because it's present in people's minds, that they will eventually stop yeah. caring as much or hold the positions that they do now. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's my bias, but I, I think that we're at a, we're at a place in America right now where, uh, people have had enough. People are fed up. They, they, they've changed their minds. They've seen the truth. Mm -hmm. You know. Well, you would be right, Jesse, because in this article, it talks about how long-term trends in public opinion polling suggest that 
this is moving in the direction of sustained opinion shift. Good. Yeah. Fantastic. We would love to know what you think about this. 657-464-7609. In fact, why not just program that right into your smartphone? 657-464-7609. And then put in the email address for the show, too. Yes. I doubt it at dollamore.com, which then you can send voice memos or regular old-fashioned emails. It'll be a great time, and we'll be in your contact list. All right. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. Thank you to Gracie. Gracie! And Jonathan. Jonathan. For becoming the latest Patreon supporters. Yeah, We very much appreciate Join you. Join in the club. Listen to everybody. We sent out like 40 envelopes. A fat stack of stickers. They went to Malta. We know Malta. where Malta is. Australia. <laughs> And then also... Somebody shit on me. Mostly Texas, honestly. Some, somebody emailed in and shit on me for for not knowing, like, I thought everybody knew where Malta was. Well, color me dumb guy, because I they, fucking didn't know. Why did they only shit on you when I also didn't know where it was? I don't know. Hmm. I feel attacked. Yeah, you should feel attacked. It's a vicious, vicious, a vicious fucking attack. attack. So th- let us know where those stickers end up. Take a picture, what you put it on. Wherever they end up. Did you see did you see Jason in Indiana? I did. The big fan uh-huh. made a joke about blowing hot air sometimes, uh-huh. but it's still good. <laughs> Very funny. Very funny. <laughs> we appreciate that. And that's the kind of stuff we want to see. We want to see where the stickers end up. Yes. So send send those to us. You can tag us on Instagram, on Facebook, on Just Twitter. Don't, don't use it as an excuse to send a dick pic. That would not be great. Not not great at all. Yeah, that would be terrible. That would be an assault. Yes. I would take that as an assault. Yes. As anyone should. With yes. an unsolicited dick pic. Even if it's wrapped in a sticker. <laughs> Not great. Okay. So I thought it would maybe just be held up in front of it. I didn't know it would be wrapped around. So anyway, we won't get into specifics. <laughs> I was going to say something. And wow. I forgot. You forgot. Moving on. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. I still can't remember still- <laughs> what I was going to say. <laughs> I thought that I was going to be able to get it. Well, what I was going to do is we were just going to edit that spot and then you were going to continue and then I'd play the Democracy. <laughs> no. Well, that's not how we roll. Yeah. That is not how we do things. Things are falling apart over here, you guys. So listen, we were going to play this moment with Sh- Senator Kamala Harris with uh, John McCain's daughter. And I only refer to Megan her that McCain. way. I only refer to her that way because that's pretty much how she in- starts every tweet. As John McCain's daughter, ha, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not going to do that. We just had a pretty lengthy discussion about, unless you want to continue with it. No, that's all right. So. It's really not that great. 
<laughs> it's also almost five minutes long. And we really just did a really, I think, a, a fantastic job of discussing the issue and bouncing it back to the audience to have a discussion. The only good thing about the clip, really, is that Megan McCain tries to one-up Kamala Harris, and just that's not going to happen. But she gets it shoved right up her ass. Yeah, it's not going to yeah. work out for you. So, um, one of the benefits of what is happening right now in America, listen, every time there's something shitty, sometimes there's, there, there's uh, the benefit of a... Of an odd silver lining. With, with, with COVID, you know, we're seeing global warming certainly not being diminished, but there, some of the levels of pollution are, are decreasing. Some of, uh, wildlife research is able to, to, um, to be prolif- pro- uh, proliferated because of the, yeah, I, yeah, I fucked it up. Looking at me. I- proliferated because <laughs> of the fact that there's not machine noise in the oceans or whatever. So there are weird little silver linings. One of the other silver linings to this particular um, history point of racial unrest in our country is the fact that it is moving across the globe. There are Black Lives Matter protests happening all across the planet in cities all over the world. They're dragging down statues of racists and throwing them into waterways. It's fucking awesome. And I'm going to play this clip, but... What it also says to me, and this is kind of me as an American-centric kind of an attitude, it gives me hope that the world does still support Americans. They know that most of us are good and decent people with good hearts, filled with empathy and sympathy for mankind. That it's not just, uh, we're all Donald Trump idiots. The fact that this has been such a viral, pardon the term, viral moment across the globe is a big deal. Statue of Belgium's King uh, Leopold II has been removed from Antwerp and may not be returned. The statue was burned and hit with red paint during anti-racism protests following George Floyd's death. A growing number of people are now campaigning to remove statues of the colonial era king. His troops killed and made millions of people at rubber plantations in the Congo. And then in London, uh, protesters watched as the statue of Scottish merchant and slave owner Robert Milligan was taken down following a petition for its removal. Milligan was the driving force behind the construction of London's West India docks, which were used to trade slave harvested goods from the Caribbean. Meantime, in Bristol, demonstrators aren't waiting for monuments to be removed. On Sunday, protesters tore down the statue of a notorious British slave trader and philanthropist. Nick Robertson takes a look at how Britons are now confronting their colonial past. Britain lurched around a corner confronting the worst of its colonial racist past Sunday as protesters at a Black Lives Matter march in the port city of Bristol toppled a statue of 17th century slave trader Edward Colston, then trundled it through the city's tarmac streets and tossed it into the sea, the same harbour where his slave ships once docked. It could only have happened that way. It could only have been ripped down. What is that doing up there? It'd be like you having somebody that has abused your family all your life. You know who he is. And I get a statue and I put it in your front garden. 
Colston and his employer, the Royal Africa Company, dominated the transatlantic slave trade. He helped ship an estimated 100,000 people from Africa to the U.S. and the Caribbean. One in five of them died along the way. Colston, whose name adorns buildings, streets, even schools in the normally restful city, was also a philanthropist. The controversy over his racist past has been brewing for years. We politically had tried to go around. We had gone to debates and meetings. We had meetings with the council, meetings with Colston Hall, uh, radio debates, TV debates. And people were, if I can say, pussyfooting around. Condemnation with caveats came quickly. I will not support or indulge those who break the law if you want to change the urban landscape, you can stand for election or vote for someone who will. Similar long-simmering frustrations over contentious Confederate statues in America are coming to a head too. So is this the moment when the UK, the United States and others recognise the pain of the past, that black lives matter and reimagine their countries on new values? <laughs> the fabled university city of Oxford, that's the pressing question. Now is the time to change and do things in a different way, rewriting history. And if you have to take a statue from there and put it in a museum, so be it. The statue, Cecil Rhodes, a leading colonialist who built his fortune off black labour and bequeathed scholarships here. In this country, there is such a ingrained sort of systemic racism that hasn't been questioned or looked at or um, sort of dealt with for far too long. No sign Oxford plans to grant the protesters their wish and the conversation about that new future yet to happen too. So, first of all, most importantly, fuck off. Boris Johnson, go co go comb your hair, you goddamn goofball. Second of all, for those Americans who aren't familiar with his voice, uh, that was him in there. If you don't like it, stand for office or fucking vote for someone who will. Shut the fuck up. All of all of these monuments, the same that we have here, they're not monuments of to history. These are monuments in celebration of the lives of these men. Almost exclusively men. So if our elected officials won't fucking take them down and they're going to like that guy, the, the poet laureate of Bristol said, they're pussyfooting around, then fuck off. We're going to tear them down and we're going to throw them into the Thames. We're going to tear them down and we're going to spray paint them. Thankfully, there are mayors... There are governors in our state, in our country, who are making the move to remove them. Blackface Northam from uh, Virginia, the, the, the shitty governor there, Democrat, Mr. Blackface, has made the move to remove Confederate statues. Why do we have Confederate monuments in America celebrating the lives of traitors to our union? terrorists who became what was what became the, the KKK no absolutely not so 
I'm thankful to the world, and I'm I'm uh, heartened by it. It's uh, it's encouraging. By the way, people who don't grow up in areas where it's normal to see these statues on display, like me, <laughs> yeah, it's weird when you're around it. When we went to Nashville, yeah, it was very strange. I was taking all kinds of pictures of weird fucking shit. It about didn't make the, any sense. The honor of the fight of the Confederacy and these weird messages on statues. No, you're defending slavery, you fucking vile, evil cunt. It, it. <laughs> <laughs> just for the word, just for the word. Just views and opinions expressed by Jessica Are you going to be okay? Solely those of Jessica Maybe, Maybe not. Maybe not. Views and opinions <laughs> of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. <laughs> all right. So it's it, it's weird, and all these arguments—they make terrible arguments. That's all I'm it, hearing lately. It's my heritage. Well, that and also here. Let me do one. It's my heritage, y'all. I'm surprised Popeye isn't My my forefathers owned the slaves. That's my heritage. Get the fuck out of here. America won. You lost. Piss off. It it reminds me. I want to get back to what I'm saying. But you just reminded me of when Anderson Cooper was on Finding Your Roots. And... Oh, and he found out his relative was beaten to death by a slave. Yes. And Henry Gates Jr., is that his yeah, name? Yeah, that's right. Harvard professor. Yeah, he he asked Anderson. He said, do you think he deserved it? And Anderson said, yeah. Did, <laughs> didn't miss a beat. Yeah. And said, oh, yeah. Yes. Absolutely he deserved it. Yeah. Yeah. And he his focus was not on his ancestor. He Like, at that point, he didn't care. He was interested in... The slave who beat him. Yeah. And how difficult his life must have been. And that is the perspective that you would think yeah. people would take, right? I mean, what is this loyalty to your ancestors if they did terrible things? I, yeah, I don't. Yeah. If Jeffrey Dahmer had a kid. Yeah. And then, you know, a hundred years from now, they're like, don't you talk bad about my uncle Jeffrey? <laughs> dare you sir yeah these are the same I challenge you to a duel these are the same people by the way who will then malign george F- floyd yeah 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 for having drugs in his system he took some drugs oh my god he needed to be killed at the hands of the police it it just doesn't make any sense go, and go read my youtube comments if you want to see the lowest of the fucking low so it's maddening but also the argument of history we need these on display for some reason because otherwise how will we know things? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we all learned about many things without yeah. going to parks and seeing statues. You understand I, listen, that books exist, yes? I lived in Fredericksburg, Virginia for a time. Halfway between the capital of the north, Washington, D.C., and the capital of the south, Richmond, Virginia. How many statues are there? Oh, it's well. There's a lot of battlefields around there. Is what oh, I'm getting you ready must to say. know a lot more about history than other yeah, people. Yeah, you don't learn anything. It's like, oh yeah, <laughs> some battles happen here, but <laughs> exactly. they also don't have statues to Robert E. Lee everywhere. It's, it's the slave own the cruel slave owning piece of shit that military bases are named after. Mm-hmm. 
watch my video today on YouTube. Well, that was actually funny because I I saw a tweet about that because Kaylee McEnany defending (laughs) the renaming. Uh. She said, quote, to suggest these forts are somehow inherently racist and their names need to be changed is a complete disrespect to the men and women who the last bit of American land they saw before they went overseas and lost their lives were these forts. What? Wait. Read it again without the the Britney Page stank on it. Oh, okay. No, I heard it, but I want to hear it again with like a logical ear. To suggest these... No. Well, come on. <laughs> God damn. To, I can't even do it. I can remember I can only do Harry Potter. Harry Potter! Okay. <laughs> to suggest that these forts are somehow inherently racist and their names need to be changed is a complete disrespect to the men and women who the last bit of American land they saw before they went overseas and lost their lives were these forts. All right. Let's use the Jeffrey Dahmer uh, analogy again. Let's say the last person that someone saw before they went off to war was Jeffrey Dahmer. We can't do anything about that guy. It's the last person they saw before they went off to war. Shut the fuck up. Change the name. There is no reason that an American military installation... All right, I'm done. Well, can I read you Jason Kander's response to this? Please. And then if you want to hear my thoughts about it... Watch your video. On Thursday morning, a video I'm posting anyway. Jason Kander said, right on. The name of the place where you were before you went to the other place is everything. (laughs) That's right. One of the stops on my flight to Afghanistan was Ramstein Air Force Base, where I got a Subway sandwich. If that ever becomes a Quiznos, I'll know my service was in vain. Oh, that is fantastic. (laughs) Fucking Jason Kander. This is what I mean with dumb arguments. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's Kaylee McEnany. What are you going to do? How are we even supposed to take any of this seriously? What do you expect? They don't. Speaking of good arguments, Brittany Page. Taking care of biz. Kimberly Jones. Kimberly Jones. Kimberly Jones has been blowing up the internet. With her viral video. Justifiably so. Where she gave a powerful speech. And if you want to connect with her in other ways, you should go to her website because it has all the different things that you can do to connect with her. Contact buttons. so really? Connect to social. So KimJonesWrites.com. This says that she's a young adult author, screenwriter, and director. We should get her on the show. <laughs> we should absolutely get her on the yeah. show. Why haven't you already? I, I didn't know she had like a website. Yeah. Well, how did you find the video? Well, John Oliver played a snippet of it. Everybody's co-opting it and playing snippets of it. Yeah. Well, here's what happened. I hope she's getting credit somewhere. I hope it's on a YouTube that she's getting paid for or yeah, something I... that's giving her credit because absolutely that kind of bums me out. It is fucking fantastic. Yeah. Here's... Here's what happened with why we're going to play the the entire length of this video, which is six minutes and 32 seconds. I started at the end, and I kept tracking forward from the end to the beginning to try to find a spot to, to give a kind of good synopsis of what she said. Start at like a minute, two minutes, three minutes. I'm like, fuck, everything she says is good. This entire thing needs to be shared with the audience. Because it is nugget after nugget after nugget 
of rarefied wisdom. Mm-hmm. It is fucking fantastic. I would also say if you haven't watched it, it would be good to watch it yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. I mean, it's powerful regardless of how you listen or watch. But I think watching the emotion on her face as well while she's speaking adds to the power of the message. Yeah. Here it is. So I've, I've been seeing a lot of things talking of the people making commentary Um Interestingly enough, the ones I've noticed that have been making the commentary are wealthy black people making the commentary about we should not be um, rioting, we should not be looting, we should not be tearing up our own communities. And then there's been an argument of the other side of we should be hitting them in the pocket. We should be focusing on the blackout days where we don't spend money. Um, But, you know, I feel like we should do both. And I feel like I support both. And I'll tell you why I support both. I support both because there, when you have a civil unrest like this, there are three types of people in the streets. There are the protesters, there are the rioters, and there are the looters. The protesters are there because they actually care about what is happening in the community. They want to raise their voices and they are there strictly to protest. You have the rioters who are angry, who are anarchists, who really just want to fuck shit up. And that's what they're going to do regardless. And then you have the looters. And the looters almost exclusively are just there to do that, to loot. Now, people are like, well, what did you gain? Well, what did you get from looting? I think that as long as we're focusing on the what, we're not focusing on the why. And that's my issue with that. As long as we're focusing on what they're doing, we're not focusing on why they're doing. And some people are like, well, those aren't people who are legitimately angry about what's happening. Those are people who just want to get stuff. Okay, well then... Let's go with that. Let's say that's what it is. Let's ask ourselves why in this country in 2020, the financial gap between poor blacks and the rest of the world is at such a distance that people feel like their only hope and only opportunity to get some of the things that we flaunt and flash in front of them all the time is to walk through a broken glass window and get it. That they are so hopeless that getting that necklace, getting that TV, getting that change, getting that bed, getting that phone, whatever it is that they're going to get is that in in that moment when the riots happen and if they present an opportunity of looting, that's their only opportunity to get it. We need to be questioning that why. Why are people that poor? Why are people that broke? Why are people that that food insecure, that clothing insecure, that they feel like they're only shot, that they are shooting their shot by walking through a broken glass window to get what they need. And then people want to talk about, well, there's plenty of people who pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and got it on their own. Why can't they do that? Let me explain to you something about economics in America. And I'm so glad that as a child, I got an opportunity to spend time at PUSH where they taught me this, is that we must never forget that economics was the reason that black people were brought to this country. We came to do the agricultural work in the South and the textile work in the North. Do you understand that? That's what we came to do. We came to do the agricultural work in the South and the textile work in the North. Now, if I right now, if I right now decided that I wanted to play 
Monopoly with you. And for 400 rounds of playing Monopoly, I didn't allow you to have any money. I didn't allow you to have anything on the board. I didn't allow for you to have anything. And then we played another 50 rounds of Monopoly and everything that you gained and you earned while you were playing that round of Monopoly was taken from you. That was Tulsa. That was Rosewood. There are Those are places where we built black economic wealth, where we were self-sufficient, where we owned our stores, where we owned our property, and they burned them to the ground. So that's 450 years. So for 400 rounds of Monopoly, you don't get to play at all. Not only do you not get to play, you have to play on the behalf of the person that you're playing against. You have to play and make money and earn wealth for them, and then you have to turn it over to them. So then for 50 years, you finally get a little bit and you're allowed to play. And every time that they don't like the way that you're playing or that you're catching up or that you're doing something to be self-sufficient, they burn your game. They burn your cards. They burn your Monopoly money. And then finally at the release and the onset of that, they allow you to play and they say, okay, now you catch up. Now at this point, the only way you're going to catch up in the game is if the person shares the wealth, correct? But what if every time you share the wealth, then there's psychological warfare against you to say, oh, you're an equal opportunity higher. So if I played 400 rounds of Monopoly with you and I had to play and give you every dime that I made, and then for 50 years, every time that I played, I, if you didn't like what I did, you got to burn it like they did in Tulsa and like they did in Rosewood. How can you win? How can you win? You can't win. The game is fixed. So when they say, why do you burn down the community? Why do you burn down your own neighborhood? It's not ours. We don't own anything. We don't own anything. There is, Trevor Noah said it so beautifully last night. There's a social contract that we all have. That if you steal or if I steal, then the person who is the authority comes in and they fix the situation. But the person who fixes the situation is killing us. So the social contract is broken. And if the social contract is broken, why the fuck do I give a shit about burning the fucking football hall of fame, about burning a fucking target? You broke the contract when you killed us in the streets and didn't give a fuck. You broke the contract when for 400 years we played your game and built your wealth. You broke the contract when we built our wealth again on our own by our bootstraps in Tulsa and you dropped bombs on us. When we built it in Rosewood and you came in and you slaughtered us. You broke the contract, so fuck your target. Fuck your Hall of Fame. As far as I'm concerned, they could burn this bitch to the ground. And it still wouldn't be enough. And they are lucky that what black people are looking for is equality and not revenge. So, if you are white and you listen to that and you think that a lot of that doesn't make sense or you're still confused or you aren't convinced i think a lot of books for you to read right i think that that means that it's time to put the nose in a book because so much of that touches on i mean she summarizes so much of history in what was that five minutes yeah I mean, and and I understand if some people who aren't getting it, like it's not enough, but that just tells you that you haven't done the work that you need to do. 
I, I would. Ch- I don't think I we're preaching to the choir here, probably. But I, I would. I would challenge. How? How in the fuck is she wrong in any way? In any way, how is she wrong? Anything she said, off the cuff, in the most eloquent fucking. I, I wish that I when I've done videos on like on on uh, on reparations. She spoke from experience, so it it resonates. The Monopoly analogy is fucking perfect. Mm-hmm. If we played 400 rounds of Monopoly, I mean, goddamn. It, it just, it, it is passionate and fucking real. It is real. That is real life for millions, tens of millions of black Americans. Who knows how many people all around the world this is a reality for because of colonization, because of the white man's boot on the black man's neck. Unacceptable. And hopefully we are taking a step forward into modernity. Fucking finally in 2020, moving into modernity. Well, and I'm glad that what she said resonated with so many people because this is showing up everywhere. Like you said, John Oliver played like the last two minutes and powerful. It's it's been everywhere and it's because it's resonating and good. Finally, you're starting to see that in polling like we just talked about. These changes are happening rapidly and because finally people are starting to listen and accept reality And it's been hard for people, apparently, but please listen more, read more. That's, that's the lesson for these past two weeks. That's the lesson. That's the takeaway. I mean, this doesn't resonate with you because you haven't lived that experience. Open the ears and listen to people because if enough people are saying this is the fact, this is the reality in their lives. Then it's the reality in their lives. Anyway, as always, we would love to know what you think. We are going to end it there. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Ways you can support the show: rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to the show. If there's a mechanism to rate and review the show, please. Please do so. You can share the show. You can tell a friend, tell a family member who would resonate, who we might resonate with, (laughs) or they might resonate with us. That would be great. And then, of course, if you'd like to enrich the big fat pockets of Jeff Bezos over at the Amazon, you can go to dollamore.com slash Amazon. And from every purchase... The big fat pockets get a little less fat with each purchase because he has to give us a little bit of money. Again, dollamore.com slash Amazon. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It.